Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode number 227, with your pals, Tom and Neil. How are you doing, Neil? Okay. Tonight, Tom, it's a... Uh, yeah, we'll have a, a repeat guest on tonight, which is kind of cool. It is. It Always is kind of... a matter of fact, not that. only is it a repeat, but it's by far the quickest we've had a repeat. Yeah, it is. But I think but that's it's... okay, because he's a man who wears many hats. Yes, he Tonight, is. I can't tell what his hat has on it. It's, I think it's a PBR hat. hat. Speak right now. Yes. Oh, I hope you have a nice day. How lovely. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you want to get a hold of us, punk 77 at Gmail. Come on the Facebook group. Yes. And get us hello. to 1,000. Get us to 1,000. The 1,000th th- person, you're going to get a boatload of flexies or something. <laughs> the 1,000th person, we're going to catapult you into the sun. Okay, I think mine sounded nicer, but okay. Neil, can... Neil will come to your house and satisfy you sexually with his hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right, but if you want, if you want an upgrade from the hand, you have to pay for that. But anyway, wow, our guest tonight doesn't deserve the abuse that he's already having to endure. <laughs> it's it's Mark Rainey. He's from, of course, TKO Records and Cascade. What do you what do you call your record pressing plant, Mark? Cascade Cascade Record Pressing. Cascade Record Blessing. There you go. Okay, I got you. <laughs> so last time you were on, obviously we talked mostly about TKO. the records you put out, honestly, like the, or yeah. your you know your label, and you've been at it for I don't know, just 20, 25 years. Uh, it's coming up on twenty six. Actually, you know what? We had twenty six uh, in March. So okay, yeah. wow. So that was about, okay a month ago. Yeah, but it's it's funny after we had you on, you know a lot of people, and one of our, one of our mutual friends reached out to us and said. You gotta ask Mark about his band, but I can't remember what the name of the band was, and I can't go back and find oh, the comment. So, what what <laughs> what band did you play in that we need to ask you about? That's that's actually uh, that was uh, Joel Day that asked you about. Oh, that. JD JD, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay that, okay. that actually was a band that never happened. He was that's a little joke uh, between he and I. Um, I was I was talking about this is yeah back when you know twenty something years ago when I was hanging out with Joel in the Bay Area and um, I was I was sort of brainstorming about um, band names that had to do with sort of local history and I was trying to come up with something like a term from organized crime now granted this is pre us being on the internet so. Um, sure. You know, it wasn't just everything wasn't just a Google search away. But that's what that's what he's referencing. So sorry, sorry to disappoint you. So it wasn't but, a real band at all. He didn't ever record no, anything. No, been, I've had a I've had a bunch of big bands. Marky and the Mopeds is uh, uh, my problem. Do you play, do you play something? Do you sing? What do you do? I do, I'm a, a lead ego usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Rapper. But, yeah, we had, um, there's been a few bands. Uh, the Ramones, which was Ramones covers, but, but the lyrics changed to about like kind of bro culture that sounds horrific Go yeah, on. it does that sounds <laughs> awful you know, probably better that that, that that one didn't make it <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah yeah so so really yeah it's the world's a better place i'm better we're all better off with me pressing and releasing records than actually appearing on them okay well because i was gonna say i was gonna call you out and i'm like i bet you he lied because the one of the first i think one of the first questions i asked you last time was what was the band that made you want to start making records because a lot of times it's their own bands want to put out their own record i'm like oh i bet you he wanted to put out his own band's records but okay it turns out that was a dead end oh one-man army yeah yeah that's that was the answer there right and there i mean they're there i i sang with them for a few practices but um you know it it, it became you know very clear very quickly that uh you know jack was really the star and, and needed to be up front yeah you yeah. Know? 
Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> you know, gotcha. yeah, we're all better off again with uh, with me not being in the way there. Well, so, there you go, JD. Your, your, JD, JD, your question has been answered. sort of sort yes. of answered. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Joel. I fucking owe you one. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, I, the other thing I got to say because because you know, praise where praise is due. I got to kiss your ass for a minute. Because uh, after you were on, you you sent us some records, and man, I, I just you know we always appreciate that. It's nice. We we really don't, we really haven't figured out a way to make any money doing this. So like when people give us stuff, it's always like a real treat. But I've been kind of singing the praises of Trust Records or the the represses they've been doing. Dude, the the Poison Idea represses are, I mean, they're they're amazing. The quality. Of, I've I've sung the praises a couple other times since you've been on, but I mean just. You got you got to see these things. They are stuffed with so much stuff. They sound great. Heavy heavyweight vinyl, but just it's it's uh, a couple of them have bonus discs. But you're doing the good thing where you're like keeping the original record intact, and then the bonus disc has all the extra stuff so you can listen to the album as it was originally intended. So anyway, that was all, man. I just wanted to kiss your ass for a minute and let you know right, you're I, doing good work. Give me a little positive you. reinforcement. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, actually. Uh... I'll have another one in the mail to you guys soon. So, <laughs> hey, you know what, Mark? The other thing I was gonna say. So, so I still write a little bit. Actually, I actually wrote about wrote up that tyrant record. It reminded me to send you. I'll send you a link to the review. So if you wanna, I don't know. If, I don't know what you guys do for social media, or whatever. But if the band wants to use it, so I was gonna bring it up. Actually, the guitarist contacted me this morning and and sent me the link. Oh, cool! From that's I, good enough. And for I me. noticed it was you, and I, Tom Trial, and I was like, oh yeah. I told him I'm gonna be on their podcast tonight. So oh, cool. Um, Cool. Yeah. How, yeah. How's those guys English? Should we have them on, or are they too like uh, are they going to rough us up? They seem kind of tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think if it's over Skype, you'll be safe. You know, um, okay. but uh, uh, well, Will, Will the guitarist is American, so oh, is he okay? You know, and then I think you know, I would imagine, you know, everybody in Scandinavia speaks English. You know, I think mm. it's yeah. Hard. If I listen, if I listen to that band all the time, I would probably be a miserable prick. But the fact of the matter is, even at fifty years old, sometimes you need to listen to some kind of music that makes you want to punch a hole in the wall. You know, it's just it's good for you. No, every once cathartic. in a while, especially with all the pop punk that we have forced on us, it's good. Because what did I play? Oh, difference. I played Yes Sir last week. Didn't yeah, you I? did. Oh, such a good song. Yeah, oh, nice, song. cool. Yeah, yeah, such yeah. a good song. So but, anyway, I'll tell you what. Why don't we play a song now? So we're done with our ass kissing. We found out about his band, and then we can get into the real meat of the subject deal. You think? Unless you want, unless you got some other petty nonsense you want to talk about before we get started. Uh, no, just to say as well. Thanks for giving us. Um, you gave gave us a couple of good leads last time. Your 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 um, interview last time actually did really well. It got us uh, yep. a bunch of new listeners, I think. And then then we also got Bones through you. And the Bones interview I thought was outstanding. So he was a yes. great guest. Oh, yeah. That was a great episode, yeah. yeah. Great. He's a real music lover, you know, and you can always tell when guys are, you know, enjoy other people's music. I always kind of wary of musicians that don't seem to listen to other music. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but he's 100%. clearly a guy who just loves, you know, loves music in general, so. No, I bonded very early on with him with uh, some of my first trips to Austin um, and just, you know, hanging out and day drinking and spinning records with him and, uh at the time uh, he was living with um sean from the band the austin band the chumps mm-hmm. and, uh yeah just hanging out in midday blasting gg allen records scaring the neighbors <laughs> <laughs> that was when austin was actually weird yeah. Yeah. yeah we were keeping it weird for austin then yeah for sure so i'll tell you what 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 songs do you have for us more i don't know i don't know what the songs are i know you sent them to neil what's uh what's do we have a theme or are we just some of your favorites or i mean I, i'm just i'm actually just 
flogging, you know, of course, I'll, I'll never uh, skip skip an opportunity to flog my wares. So this is just all kind of previews of more upcoming projects. Oh, cool, cool. But talking of bones, then if you want to play a song now, maybe we should play the lower class brats one that you uh, that you that you sent along. Let's do it. This is off the new album, right? Yeah, one matchstick off the off the brand new upcoming album. So this yeah. is so that's a... real quick. That's got to be pretty quick, right? Um, I'm I'm thinking end of May. End of May. Okay. Out. Yeah. So is this a world premiere? Is that is, it, is that what we can it, say? It is. Yeah. Wow. Oh, excellent. Here we go. Excellent. All right. So let's listen to uh, Lower Class Brats with one matchstick off the new record. What's the new record called? Tales of the Wild, the Ugly, and the Damned. That's right. Yep. Thank you. So there. And that was inspired by what new? Ultravox. Ultravox. Ultra Ultra. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Lower Class Brats. Lower Class Brats, the world premiere, with the song One Matchstick off their forthcoming album. Look for that at the end of May, I believe. It's I'm really, really, looking, be really a... looking forward to that. I have not been really blown away by a lot of the new music this year, but I feel like it's starting to uptick a little bit now. Yeah, I think over the last month I've heard a lot of good stuff. Even that new Sam I Am is pretty good, actually. I could not get into them, dude. I don't know if it's I punk, I don't know if it's punk rock, but it, they're really well, really well done songs. You might, be, you might be emo now, Neil. I guess I might be. Holy you shit. Might be emo. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to grow my hair out. 
<laughs> a little too slick for my taste, but I know they're like friends of friends, so I don't yeah. I don't have any ill will towards them. It's just not uh, not my thing, really. Anyway, so. so today we are going to talk to Mark mainly about his record pressing plant, Cascade. Um, remind us how you got into that, how you got out of TKO and started doing the doing the Cascade thing. Um, We're still doing TKO, Neil. We're yeah, I know, but TKO. you know, but yeah, that's well, his... it wasn't so much out of TKO. It was really, it just was really for personal reasons. It came out for us wanted to, to move my, me and my family, and then um, you know, trying to come up with a, a venture for where we were going. And um, you know, I was lucky enough to have uh, you know here in Portland uh, a collaborator in uh, Adam Gonzalez from Telegraph Mastering, and. Uh, he and I really kind of got got the whole idea going. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a it was a lot of work. It was pretty crazy. It really just quite a different venture from anything else I've ever done. Um, so how I mean, did you how did you get all the machinery and that kind of thing? All the stuff that's involved in in pressing vinyl. Where did all that come from? Um, the the presses came from uh, this now defunct plant in Canada called Rip V and they had uh they had purchased um a whole lot of presses from uh this other defunct plant in New Jersey called Hub Serval that that was around from uh, I think it they started in the 70s and and went up to the early 2000s um and uh yeah Rip V Rip V was a it was a weird operation. I imagine most people haven't heard of them because they were a closed plant. And they they really just serviced um, all the beggars group labels. You know that that group, mm-hmm. and, and banquet and all that. Epitaph. It was a it was a it was a very sort of limited focused uh, hmm. list. Um, you know, but they kept busy, and um, you know, I just I just heard through contacts and kind of sniffing around that they had. Uh, you know, a stash of unused equipment and storage. And, um, you know, I just, over the course of several months, just kept calling them and being very polite and leaving very polite messages on the phone, the answering machine. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, certainly we looked other places too, but that was, that was the one that kind of worked out and so, I'm glad, glad it did. Um, cause it's, yeah, it, it, it could have been, you know, since then we've done some sniffing around for, for used equipment and, there's some really rough stuff out there that people want, uh, you know, unreasonable amounts of money for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we we were very fortunate. Um, so you put all this stuff on trucks and you shipped it down, I assume down or over or wherever to Portland where you are now. Did you have? To, I mean, you had to bring in like a 70 year old man to put it back together, right? <laughs> yeah, a couple. Yeah, we we had um. Uh, we had uh, uh, Dave Miller who was. Uh, from the, the Miller family had worked out of uh, Hub Serval, and they, they'd actually had a separate business that built the presses because the presses we have are Miller presses. Hmm. So, um, you know, Dave's dad and his uncles had built these things, and he he worked on them all through the seventies. So, uh, we actually had him go up to Canada and go in the warehouse and pick out the six best presses hmm. storage, and then um, and then he flew out here and and helped us kind of with the. Uh, with the layout and just kind of talking us through the the functions, um, but um, we we were lucky in that one of our early hires was a, a young guy, but he was you know he had uh, press experience, so he and he had worked, and you know he'd worked on these presses, so he knew 
you know, you, when you turned them on, he, you know, he knew exactly what they were supposed to do. And um, so between him and then us having uh, finding a, a, a mechanical engineer who was, um, you know, very close to retirement. And then really most of all, uh, me being able to convince, you know, one, one of my very best friends, uh, Jeff Troon, uh, who was in the, the TKO band, uh, Straight Jacket, and he's he's played in some other bands too. I think more, more recently he was in The Chemicals. But he, I got him to leave his 20-year career as a motorcycle uh, mechanic uh, to come and 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 you know be the sort of the, the sort of head the uh, the build out for us, you know, hmm. and hmm. sort of head of all the mechanical services here. And you know, gr- r- you know, working on motorcycles and and growing up on a farm, you know, Jeff knows he knows electrical, he knows plumbing, he knows hydraulic, he knows bo- boiler systems. Wow, um, good guy to know. He's got an under yeah he's yeah it was really it was funny because when I called him I, you know I I just assumed that you know he was a you know an ace uh, mechanic one of the top motorcycle mechanics on the West Coast um, you know specializing in Ducati and a lot of these exotic brands and it never occurred to me that he was looking for a career change and uh, <laughs> I called him just to let him know I'd I'd moved to Portland and just be like hey man I need to pick your brain about you know I'm trying to hire somebody with with these kind of skills. And uh, when I gave him the rundown, I was like, well, you know anybody? He goes, yeah, me. Um, so, hmm. yeah, I, I hate to think where I'd be <laughs> if, that, if that hadn't gone our way. Well, it um, sounds like everything came together for you. Like how many, how many employees do you hire at Cascade? Uh, currently, we've got just under 30. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so did you put hands on those machines when you're putting them together? Is that something you could do? I mean, do you have basic, like, troubleshooting skills with these things? If somebody so you know, runs to the office, Mark, Mark, it's, it's making Millie Vanilli records. Very, <laughs> very simple ones, you know? And, I mean, I, I – but, I mean, as far as actually being able to repair them, you know, not really. Um, I, I'd say any, any kind of skill in that direction is something that I've picked up since, you know, in the last eight years of being here. And – now I, you know, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder where, you know, I, I'll, if something goes wrong in my house, I'm like, I, I built a factory with my friends. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I, I can fix anything, and then like half the house goes dark or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I get that, man. I, I'm yeah. right there with but, you. But um, but no, I don't, I don't really come from a background of that at all. And I mean, now, I mean, I, you know, I understand how these things function. I understand how our service systems function, and I'm here enough that like, I, I mean, a big part of. Uh, Pressing records is, is sort of hanging out, maintaining things, and waiting for something to go wrong. You know, mm-hmm. because machines are also cantankerous and and, and uh, persnickety. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you learn you definitely. You know, you catch it by seeing, but also just hearing. You know, yeah, like yeah. You get used to what the normal sounds are, like what the you know what the what the what the system sounds like. Uh, you know, it's functioning normal normally, and then when you hear something, hear, see, or smell something out of the ordinary, it's like okay, we gotta. We got a problem here. We need to investigate. So, just let me ask you a dumb question. So, did you say you have six presses? Oh, uh, we have nine. Nine. Now. Okay. Uh, so, running, uh, running four. Okay. So, of uh, four. Okay. So, are all four of them pressing the same thing? I've got four of them pressing different things all at the same time. I, it depends. You know, um, there's actually, you know, we, we're actually, I, I take that back. We're running five if you count the seven inch press. Um, okay. So, yeah, depending on the size of the job, I mean, we've had. You know, we've had some jobs where, you know, if it's if it's an LP that's a really high, you know, high quantity order, you know, we'll have, 
uh, you know, multiple sets of stampers so we have it firing on multiple presses. Or in cases if we're doing like a box set with, you know, three, four, five records, you know, we'll have a, a press educate, uh, dedicated to each one of those um, volumes. Gotcha. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, really just, it really depends. So how many um, can you do in a day? How, how many can one press do in a day, you think? Uh, in an eight-hour shift? Yeah. Um, a net, you probably get a net yield of 500 pieces after throwing away and set up and color change and all that kind of stuff. Are you, hmm. are you just doing one shift a day or are you doing three shifts? Um, you running around the clock. We're actually running um, We're running 10 hours a day and then one 12-hour day, and we run seven days a week. So we've got I've got two pressing teams that, that kind of overlap. So it's, it's sort of in between. It's not a full two shifts, but it's not just a, a single eight-hour either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we try to. I mean, we try to have a daily yield, of, um, you know, at least two thousand pieces total, if not more. Um, right now, we're actually kind of trying to pace ourselves because if we were to go, uh, we, we recently over the past year or so had a big expansion and, and really we upped our uh, our capacity by about fifty percent uh, just with the added staff and in the changes to the schedule. So, um, you know, if we went just full tilt, we'd probably press ourselves out of ready work right now <laughs> so well that's get, funny though because there's so many people that are waiting so long i bet you wouldn't be out for long if people knew you had capacity well that's you know that's the that's the thing i think that the the audience base or the customer base they've been slow to realize that um you know at least for us uh the backlog was resolved back in september or october yeah hmm. the adult records are at goodwill right now <laughs> yeah right so, okay. So I tell you what. Well, well uh, hold on. Let, let, let me ask one yeah. one more thing about that. Sure, go ahead. So, do you do you do stuff soup to nuts? Like, do you do uh, sleeves and stuff like that too, or is that all farmed out somewhere else? No, we we farm that stuff out. Okay. Um, the the printing equipment uh, to make uh, LP jackets and especially you know really large pieces like uh, you know single piece gatefolds. Um, the print beds on those are are quite large and. I mean, I think arguably the printing equipment necessary uh, to make to make pieces of that size, and especially to fold them and glue them, that's almost as rare as as uh, vintage presses. You know, vintage mm-hmm. presses. Um, so yeah, we we do have a print shop that we bought out, but we have we haven't hooked up the the presses yet, and that would really just be for uh, non glued pieces like inserts, fold over covers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for you know, we we leave that stuff to the specialists, you know. So, um, so so who puts that stuff together then? When the when the when the sleeves come back in, who's actually doing the physical work of putting the vinyl into the jackets? Is that you guys, uh, or is that somebody else? Depends on what the customer wants. Um, okay. We can do. I tell it you what. I, I'll tell you what, Neil. What I what I think would be what I think would be interesting is maybe we play a song and maybe we pretend we're in a band or something and yep. we just kind of go through the whole process. Oh, of... that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good so idea. What, what is at the moment, other than being one of the owners, Mark, what is your, are you like the salesman or what is your kind of, are you the guy who goes out in the factory with a whip and makes the people work harder or what, <laughs> what is your, uh, what is your position? Cause you're there, you work, right? You're, you're not yeah. a, yeah. You're not just sitting there collecting your multi multi millions from your uh, TKO back catalog. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, uh, I'm in operations. Um, so it, it, it always seems like it's funny as I'm kind of at this weird transitional period where we've had, 
we've had all these kind of initiatives and projects that we've been working on and uh i'm kind of in between those right now so okay. um, i'm i'm actually trying to kind of reorientate and i mean i've all i've always been hands-on i've always been involved out on the floor um you know i've, I've always wanted to be you know maintain you know, being involved in the process and all the day-to-day -day stuff here. So, um, like today, I mean, I, I spent most of my day out out in the symbol uh, hmm. records together. Um, just you know, just just because there was there was kind of a lull in the office stuff, and you know, I you know, I, I, I don't mind doing that, you know. So, um, hmm. but um, yeah, I'm really just sort of in, sort of day-to-day uh, -day operations. I mean. My my music industry connections definitely helped out a lot in the beginning when we were trying to establish customers, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got a we've got a really talented uh, project management management team, and they they handle most of that. I mean, every every once in a while there'll be you know a referral or you know somebody that I know um, that uh, you know I might I might get in, involved in sort of the initial intake conversation. Um, and who knows, I may, you know, with us having open capacity now, I may get back on that beat. Sure. Um, yeah. it, would, it wouldn't surprise me. But it's really sort of, you know, this 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 industry is so crazy and volatile. And, and in the eight years I've been doing this side of things, um, it's not like things ever normalized or leveled out. So like it's 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 always been kind of all hands on deck. You know, hmm. we you know, but whatever's necessary you do it kind of thing gotcha. um you know we haven't ever really gotten it hasn't gotten back into oh we just kind of dial it in and and you know let that kind of stinks out. though you never get to like a comfortable groove huh you know yeah if i didn't love it uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right i'll you know? tell you what let's play uh what's what song what song's next all right well back to what you were talking about before uh i think next up we've got um a poison idea tune nice and this is from an upcoming, it's a release that's been out for a while, but I've just remastered it recently. So What's this one? What's the release? It's the remastered version of the Darby Crash Rides Again. Okay, uh, it's like the it, earliest demos. Yeah, some of, some of the earliest demos, yeah. So this is uh, Pure Hate from the 1982 demo.
All right, yeah, Poison Idea was pure hate. Um, and that was live, right? Uh, no, this is... De- uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is live on KBOO. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, live on KBOO. There you go. Yeah, KBOO, Community Radio. So, so Mark, Neil and I, our new band, we're ready to put out our seven, our new seven song, seven inch taco Tom and the meat, meat burritos or whatever we're called. <laughs> Where do we, and, and, and we don't know anything about making a record because we're old and, you know, we used to have CDs made because that was the era our band was from. So, but we, now we're ready to jump into vinyl. What's our, what's our first step? We're going on a website or something and getting a quote, or how does that work? Yeah, all we have is a four. We have a, what time a four track, or what? What do we have? We have a yes. We have a we have a reel to reel tape. No, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. A dat, a dat. But how do we get start? How do we get started about inquiring about getting a record made? Um, well, our customers start by just you know reaching out either via email or phone call, and and making contact and. Um, They'll, they'll uh, you know, eventually reach a project manager who will sort of, uh, you know, get, you know, get a get a feel for what they want to do. Uh, try to get an understanding of their of how familiar they are with the process. That's a that's a big one, because um, you know, as you pointed out, a, a lot of you know this this industry is growing because new people are coming to it, not not just at the retail level, but also, you know, on the manufacturing side too. So. Um, educating uh people about the process is still a really big part of the job um so i have to go to a project manager to get a quote though you don't have one of these slick modern websites where i can go in there and oh i want the red vinyl and i want the purple labels and everything's well, 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 like let's go back quoted out let's go back yeah. even let's go back even before that what do you okay. need from us how are we yeah say what how, format how we, do you need? yeah how are we getting this to you guys and how does it get? What do we say, mastered or whatever for vinyl? I mean, what, what is what is happening with that whole thing? All I have is my cassette. Yeah, my cassette that I made in my room. What do I do there? Okay. Well, after after you talk to us, we would you know and tell you that you need to go and get that mastered for vinyl. And um, you know, assuming uh, you don't already have an engineer in mind, because that's not something that we do here. Um, but you have somebody you'll refer them to if they're looking have, for something. Yeah, we have a whole group of people that we refer you to. All just to sort of depending on, you know, there's considerations like price, uh, location, especially if you want to attend the session, um, you know, things like that. And sure. you know, once we get, once we kind of get a profile on what you need, we we'll steer you towards. Well, we're going to get Joel Grind to do it because he's up there uh, in Bayou and uh, he's very high profile. I like his work. So yeah, he's good. He doesn't cut though. Well, <laughs> no, but so he does mastering, right? <laughs> no, but well, let's let's Joel's explain. Joel's a great engineer, but he doesn't he doesn't cut. Let's, um, oh, let's, doesn't he? Okay, he's not a master. Okay, okay. Let's, yeah. ex- let's explain what that means. What does mastered for vinyl mean? Mastering is kind of a, a loose term in, in audio, um, and, and it really uh, the, the whole the whole notion of the master is you're making the master copy of uh, of, of whatever this piece of music is with the specific intent of manufacturing it, you know, mass producing it. So you, you get, you want to prepare the master copy. So if you're just going to uh, do it on CD or on streaming or something like that, um, you know, somebody like Joel or, or somebody who, somebody who's an engineer who doesn't necessarily operate a uh, mastering lathe could take care of that for you. But if you're specifically talking about mastering for vinyl you're talking about ultimately creating a, a physical object which is the you know the master copy 
right. the master, the master, uh, well, at least the way we do it, the lacquer copy. If, um, so they're actually making a record that you're going to use as your kind of template, I guess. Is that pre- right? Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. What, what they'll do is they'll, they'll get the program material. They'll do, you know, any kind of the preparatory work of, you know, making sure the songs are in the right order, make any necessary edits, um, and, and just, you know, technically prepare the, the tracks for being applied to the, the physical master. Uh, and then once that, once that work is done, um, the mastering engineer will broadcast the program material, play the recording uh, to the lathe. Hmm. And, and, and then the lathe, uh, you know, physically engraves uh, the, the, the data onto um, these uh, blank lacquer discs. Now, so that's what that's what we're bringing to you is the lacquer disc. Uh, well, not exactly. You, you, you get those made, and that which again is not we don't directly handle them. But then after that, that's where we get involved, and we instruct okay. you on what plating facility to send the lacquers to. All right, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here because I got a couple of questions just about the mastering thing. You talked yeah. about physically mastering it for vinyl. Yeah. What is the difference between physically mastering it for vinyl versus mastering it for digital? Because I often see that, you know, you see something that's been remastered or whatever. What does that actually mean in real terms? Well, there's, I mean, if you're talking about the the preparation of the audio, mm-hmm. um, when you're dealing with vinyl, I, and again, I'm, I'm not a mastering engineer, so I'm, 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 passing on what I understand colloquially. Um, but uh, you're, you're dealing with a more narrow range of frequency. With digital, it's 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 wide open. Oh, I thought it was just the opposite. I thought it was just the opposite. In digital, it was narrow. And, and that's why vinyl sounds so much better, is because it's so much wider. Well, I think I think with digital, what, what you get is the compression. And I think a lot of that is... Uh, a lot of that is a lot of that is related to trying to create program material that will conform to the other the other program material out there for like radio broadcasts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, to keep it all a certain, keep it all a certain volume. Right, right. So you don't, you don't, so you don't get the kind of dynas- the, the, the dynamics. Which right. Would, that's what which, I guess. That's what I was trying to get at. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the irony. Is it is it with um. You know, with with the with the more narrow range of frequency, you know, you you actually uh, you know you can end up with sort of more you know more dynamic sound. Okay, um, that's it. Okay, I can't, yeah, I can't really explain why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, that's that's I think we'd need to have like an, an actual master engineer engineer to explain on that. But that's but I, I just will say that there are very uh, there's different parameters for preparing program material depending on what format it's, it's going to end up on. Um, and like, for example, like the, the tracks that I've, I've given you tonight, they were all prepared for vinyl. So, you, you know, I don't know if you had to do this last time, but you might have to kind of bump them up a little bit in, in whatever sort of uh, editing or mastering um, program you use to put these episodes together. Um, I'm a master engineer. Yeah, I got all that stuff yeah, figured out. Go. <laughs> Let's Jesus get you a lathe. Let's get you set up. 
Um, so yeah, but then the other the other difference though is that um, you know in those other cases you're just getting another file, another another computer file, and and when you're mastering for vinyl you end up with a physical object. Right. Yeah. Yeah, as one of, as one of my friends eloquently put it, the, the the mastering for vinyl is the bridge between the artistic and the mechanical. So that's hmm. that's where you go from. Yeah, that's that's where this goes from being just your recorded piece of music to okay, we are now we are now preparing this to make a product out of it. Hmm. Okay, and the product is the lacquer, as you was as you were talking about. Now, wasn't there a problem a couple of years ago when it was only a couple of lacquer manufacturing plants in the world, and one of them burned down, so everything got all fucked up? Am I remembering that right? You are. I something like that. Absolutely, that was the beginning of 2020. So. Uh... Yeah, ne- never mind COVID. We were we were having our own problems yeah. <laughs> before that happened. Yeah, the the company you're talking about was Apollo, and they were, from what I understand, the last manufacturer in the U.S. for uh, blank lacquers, and then I think also for cutting styli and cutting heads, the other, other pieces of the lathe. Because um, the way the way the lathe and the way it works, it's kind of like the opposite of a of a record player where the record player you've got, you know, the stylus, which is like you know, the little diamond uh, needle, which is kind of like a tiny microphone that, you know, travels, travels the groove and, and reads the information. And with the lathe, it's a, it's a heated, either like a Ruby Sapphire or in some time, some cases a diamond cutting head where rather than reading the information, it's, it's writing it. So it's pre- okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you know, it's. Um, do you ever hear people talk about like uh, lathe cuts? Mm-hmm. Dub- I was going to ask you about lathe cuts. Yeah. Yeah, lathe cuts, dub plates, acetates. Those are all, um, you know, again pr- produced uh, the sa- the same way the the masters are, you know, off the of lathes. Um, and uh, they can be kind of frustrating when you've got a customer who's. Um, you know, got, gotten a, a acetate of their recording, and then you know when they get their test pressing back, they want to, they want to know why the test pressing doesn't sound like the acetate does. And and we have to explain them like, look, man, you're essentially listening to a master, and what we've got is the the end result of taking your master, uh, sending it through the electroplating process, and making you know metal negative and positives of it. And so that's that's one copy, and then making stampers off of that. So that's the second copy, and then um, you know, and then pressing it into plastic, you know, from the stampers, which is the third copy. You know, so it's like it's you know three or four generations removed. Um, so there's there's no way that it's going to sound like an acetate. Um, so the acetate, you, you are using using those terms um, equally. They're uh, lacquer acetate. Master, like are they all all the same thing, or are they it's, all different? It's the, it's the same material. The difference is the use, the intended use. So a lot of time, acetates are just cut on sort of scrap lacquers, or you know, they're they're not something that they're not something you necessarily would want to go and get plated. Um, but in terms of the process, and in terms of um, you know the material that it's that the that the data is being written into. It's it's essentially the same thing. Okay, so when people say that they're going to put out a short run, like thirty copies or something, of a lathe cut record, 
yeah. And that mean that's the basically everyone's like a master at that point. It, is well, that... it it depends on what they're using because it seems like with the lathe cuts, I've I've seen that they've been lately anyway been uh, using like this acrylic material that they've been engraving with. So okay. it's, hmm. it's not quite the same. And I think I think especially with the lacquer shortage now. I, I think it'd be tough to get away with, um, you know, sacrificing thirty lacquers or whatever just just for a. Oh yeah, okay. I, ha- I have one. I have. I only have one lathe cut record that I know of. Mm-hmm. It's Reagan Youth, and it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah the lathe cut stuff, and even the the same thing with the with the acetates. Um, you know, after like ten plays, they start to to degrade. You know. Oh wow, that's true. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure part of it's the fact that it's you know the new Reagan Youth. <laughs> it's got but, something to do with it huh? like a new Reagan youth song but their old stuff sounds great but uh well just, so, just okay so just so getting you, back so to the, i'm yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I was just gonna say so the um did the lacquer thing ever like after apollo burned down did any of the lacquer manufacturing plants show up again or is there still only like one or two worldwide there's there's just really just one or two worldwide that is you know very begrudgingly and gradually adjusted and you know i have heard over the past couple of years rumors of um you know other other operations uh you know in europe and the states uh you know trying to come up with their own you know their own system and their own formula um but but no one's brought anything to the market yet hmm. um, and it's yeah it's a, it's still a little precarious um i mean you know we we've been lucky in that we've been kind of shielded from that. And I don't, I can't really think of any time in the past two, two or three years where, um, we've, we as a plant felt the impact of it. But I mean, I know that for a bit, there are a lot of mastering engineers did like a lot of them were kind of, it was almost like they were being rationed their supply. Like they could only, you know, they could only cut 30 sides a month or something like that, you know? Hmm. And, and, you know, and in some cases they had to get selective about, you know, which jobs they were going to, they were going to cut for who, you know, they can um, only do the bigger jobs. So that are just the people that, I mean, a lot of times people think it's, oh, it's the big, it's the bigger people. I, I can say with most of the, most of the people that I know, it's not so much the people, the bigger clients, it's the clients that you've got the longest relationships with, you know, because ah, sure. the big people will come in and throw a bunch of money on, but then they might be gone. And you never see them again. And yeah. what have you done? You've got you got a quick buck, and you've pissed off all the people that have kept your business open. Well, that's that's the travesty of all this stuff. Is that yeah? When the majors came calling again, all these plants shut out the indies that had literally kept them alive for the last twenty years when yeah. nobody was. But so all right. So, you know, so I know that was a I know that was a big issue with United, and I think to a, to a lesser degree with uh, with Rainbow. Um, but that also created opportunity. I mean, that, that's kind of what created the environment for Cascade to get off the ground. Sure, you know, is that we were able we were able to come in us, and then you know uh, there were a couple places right around the same time, and then there was a you know twenty or something plants after us where yeah we we sort of positioned ourselves as the alternative. You know, like um, you know you, you know they're not they're not calling you back. You know, come see us, man. We do. You know, next, we're, next we're all about infinite. We're all about local. You know, next year it's going to be Cascade Lackers. I can already, I can tell already. <laughs> so okay, so then you, so you get the, you get that master. We yeah. send that to you, and that's what you use to make the stamps. The stampers, right? That's what ultimately results in the stampers. And a, well, sta- and a stamper is what? 
a stamper is a um, I guess the best way to describe it would be it's a it's a metal negative mold of the record. Gotcha. Okay. For the A and B, so they're, they're in pairs. So there's one for the A side, one for the B side. Um, and then, you know, so so whereas with a with a mat with a lacquer master or with a mother, those are uh, you know those can be played like records. Like you could you could put you know you could put one of those on a turntable. And, and, you know, it, it's got the grooves just like a record, but the, uh, with the stampers, you know, the, the peaks are all valleys, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's negative. It, yeah. Yeah. So it's negative. Cause it's, you know, cause it's the process is, is compression molding. So it's, you know, you just, you know, you've got a A side stamper and a B side stamper and it just squishes together like a waffle iron or something, you know, just with a lot more pressure. So you get, you, you do that and then you're going to make some test presses, right? Mm-hmm. Now, is this something, I mean, do you have a standard? I mean, like, well, we always do five test presses, or is it something the customer decides? Uh, you know, obviously now everybody's trying to sell their test presses all the time. Right. I mean, yeah. People are doing 30 or whatever, or 50 or some stupid number of test presses. So what's the, is there a standard or, or just kind of Here, whatever the customer wants? Here's what they never tell you. And this is, this is the inside news is that, when you're running a test pressing, you're you're really pressing under sort of the worst conditions <laughs> of of making records. Because generally speaking, um, you know, like let's say you've got a job that's, you know, it's got it's got an approved test. It's time to run it and do the production run. You, know, you set up the job, load up the hopper, you know, install the stampers, you know, polish them, all that stuff and start the run and then you know you're usually going to throw away the first 15 or 20 copies just because you're still getting like the metal polish wow that many huh stampers you get you know you've got to let it you've got to let the job kind of warm up and and so yeah you're going to toss you know i don't know first first 10 15 20 25 so it costs you a lot of money to make test presses well what i'm saying though is that like so when you're doing test pressings that's what you're the stuff that normally in the production run you would throw away, hmm. that's what's used as the test press. Oh, is that so, right? So so we'll have 20, 25, but we'll go through and we'll pick out the five best ones. Okay. And send them in. And, and really at that point, it, it's like there's certain issues that you can detect in test pressing that, you know, are a problem and they may, you know, they'll require more scrutiny or possibly even a recut. But then there's certain, and that's more of like a cutting, a plating, or a mastering issue. But then there's, but anything that's sort of on the pressing side, like, oh, it's kind of warped or there was non-fill or something, we can say, look, that that's something that we will dial in. Hmm. We actually do the production runs. So you don't have to worry about that. We just want to make sure that, you know, every the songs are all in the right order. The side break happens where it's supposed to. It sounds the way you want it to sound. So as the band, so as the band, you're sending us those test presses so we can give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down to go into production. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil. While, while we wait for those masters to show up, while we sit around waiting for our masters to show up, so we can sit around at your living room and drink cognac and listen to our <laughs> test pressing, let's um, let's stick a song in here while we wait. All right, I believe we have got the Templars up next. What is what is this one from? Uh, another upcoming uh, reissue from the Templars. This is of the uh, Omne Dotnum Optimum album. 
from 1998. Easy for you to say. Yeah, they love their Latin, man. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, the, the waiting is over. The waiting is over. Templars there with the waiting is over off of Dippy Doo Dong and Dippy Doo. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. We got, two, we got two scenarios here. Neil and I are sitting here. We we anxiously open up the package. We throw it on his high fidelity turntable on his expensive sound system, and we listen to it. And just for just for the sake of argument, we listen to it. And go, man, that sounds like shit. Yes. What's our What's our next step then? Well, clearly you didn't go to Cascade, so that, <laughs> obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's why I said it was theoretical, Mark. I knew I knew it wouldn't happen in real life. Yeah, if if we if we encounter, uh, you know, this in this, I mean, we you know we do we do have issues that pop up, um, you know, in the testing sequence, and it's sure. it's important to yeah, it's it's important to try to zero in on it so what they'll do is they'll call us and they'll explain what they're experiencing and then we'll we will check the copies that we've retained here and see if we can if we encounter the same thing Hmm. Um, and then the conversation just goes from there um and again sort of back to what i was saying before um you know there are some things like um you know if if the if the cutting engineer made an error or, or or if it was plated poorly 
like I actually give you an example that um, Poison Idea song that we that we played earlier. Um, it took two tries of of uh, playing with that one because the the uh, the first set of stampers that came back they had surface noise. Um, mm-hmm. You really had to crank the crank it up to hear it. But um, you know b- between songs and the quiet parts, we, there's this noise we kind of called like the seashell noise. Hmm. that occurs and of course it was probably recorded on a four track tape right sure yeah but this is even this is even outside and beyond the tape noise hmm. so okay. it's um you know and it was the type of thing where like i heard it and i checked the file the audio file that, that the lacquer was cut from it was not present there um i called the platers and said hey can, i need a mother check i need you to go and listen to the mother of this because you just sent me back some stampers um that are noisy and in this case, they went back and checked and said, yeah, the noise is on there. So either either it was a bad lacquer or, you know, plating, plating engineers make mistakes sometimes. They could have, um, you know, handled handled the lacquer in such a way that it compromised it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this, I mean, these things these things do happen. Um, so what, what did you end up doing in that situation to straighten it out? Uh, the... the, the Plating house and the cutting engineer worked it out amongst themselves, but another set of lacquers were cut, and okay. and then, um, yeah, and then, the, and then the next the next pair were fine. So, um, you know, wow. it had about a month to the process. That's all right because we got ours back and we're just blown away by how good they sound. And we get right on the phone immediately and we say, "Make us make us our five hundred copies or or what or whatever we're going to do." Tell me what is uh, exactly? I know it's like the vinyl is petroleum based, but what what is the stuff exactly? I mean, I don't know. You don't have a chemical chart in front of you, but what? I have this vision of like you dressed up like Indiana Jones out in the jungle. Like I must find the rare vinyl tree that uh, <laughs> holds the holds the life of these records. But what what is the what is the stuff made out of more or less? It's it's polyvinyl carbonate. So it's P, it's PVC. It's just a, it's a it's, it's a formula that's specifically designed to perform on turntables and sort of perform in in this process um i mean there's all you know as you know there's all kinds of stuff you can do with pvc and all 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 sorts of use for it um but um you know in this case it's a it's a this case it's a it's a set what's actually not one formula it's a set of formulas um you know that are specifically designed for this application Hmm. So is the vinyl so, to the, is the vinyl do you find today? Is it the same as the vinyl was when I was first buying it in 1970, or is it a different oh, chemical makeup? No, the chemical the chemical formulas are changing all the time. Interesting. And, and different manufacturers have have different formulas. Um, like for example, the stuff that they use over in uh, at GZ in Eastern Europe that's a, that's their own in house formula. And, um, that's the, is that the Pirates Press Factory? Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, that's, it's, it's, a uh, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different process. Um, you know, I, I have heard horror stories about, um, American plants that like, you know, I can't remember who it was, but like, Oh, I got a really good deal on clear vinyl from this European supplier. And then they, you know, they brought it in and they used it and, you know, they had to run run up the temperature on their extruder, which is the 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 machine that's coupled with the presses that kind of preps the preps the PVC for pressing. So it takes it takes the pellets and sort of heats it into kind of like a, a toothpaste hmm. 
yep. you know, kind of consistency um, before it gets delivered into the, into the press. Um, but yeah, they, one case is, you know, this guy, he got, he got this off brand uh, compound from Europe and, you know, had to run the temperature up so high on his, uh, on his extruder, he ended up cooking his extruder and like, you know, messing up the screw and basically rendering the machine, you know, taking the machine offline, you know, so you've got to, you know, you got to be careful about what you're, what you're running, you know, um, and, uh, you know, having, having PVC that's, that's going to run reliably and consistently and, and sort of behave the, the way you're used to is, uh, it's it's a huge part of it um you know in, in the past where there's been a few times where we've had to kind of mess with that or, or change suppliers and it's it, it has not been a lot of fun um, well so ideally would you, all your records be black i mean are you, st- are you running into that you seem to favor black for your represses is that just a personal preference or is that yeah i mean to me again this is i love colored vinyl you know a lot of people do um you know, they're neat, but it's, I mean, really, if you're talking strictly about sound, when you step away from black vinyl, you're stepping away from audiophile. Mm-hmm. That's still true, you think? There's no two ways about it. Huh. Because um, I think it's gotten much better over the years, right? Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. But I Plus, mean, most of us are half deaf. It really doesn't matter at this point, right? Right. right. But, but, I mean, if you're going to be an absolute <laughs> purist... Um, you know, black vinyl, or I mean, really, if you want to get totally psycho, uh, natural vinyl, which is the the stuff that doesn't even have the carbon black in it. Um, so what does that look like? It's kind of like a straw, sort of off white color. Hmm, um, really? The whole huh. point of the adding the black was so that uh, you could see, you know, you could, especially when you're talking about a, a you know, a record that's got multiple songs per side. It's so there's that contrast in the groove, so you can see the the land between songs, so you can see right? needle drop. Oh. Yeah, that's the yeah. It was really kind of a, a function. Oh. See that now now we're learning something, Neil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so tell me something. I, I was unfortunate enough to work at like a plastic injection molding place when I was a kid. I never worked at a pressing plant, obviously. But is it like the molds together and it shoots the plastic in, or does it put the plastic somewhere and then the mold actually comes together like uh, like clamps down? So what you're describing first was is injection mold yes and what we do is compression molding so it's the it's the latter it's it's okay. we have a, there's a an open press table yep. and the material is delivered into there and it, so how does the liquid sit there while, while it's waiting for the presses to come down or to sandwich it say it again now? how does the, how does the plastics how is the plastic suspended there well, it's waiting for the. You got the top and the bottom. It's going to come together, you know, like a sandwich kind of. You're, you can, you see your bread and what holds the meat in place while the bread's coming down. It's How like, does the liquid hang it's, there? It's like yogurt, right? I mean, it's like thick, right? It's yeah, it's it's pretty dense. It's like dough. It's pretty. So dense. It's just, that's, why call, that's why they call it biscuits. Hmm. Like, a, yeah, this the term for an, uh, the unpressed, the, the shot of PVC prepared to go into the pressing table that eventually makes a record is called a biscuit so an un- mm. biscuit's an unpressed record um and and it'll be de- it'll be delivered into the pressing table so it'll be your a-side label the pvc and the b-side label there's a center pin in the mold that comes up and centers that all together and it goes it goes through the two uh holes in the label and 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 you know holds holds the material in place mm. and and then the press comes down Okay. 
Um, and then there's there's different. And then on the on the exit side, you know, you've got some presses that, um, like when you talk about a, the difference between an automatic press and a manual press, it's the automatic versus manual is all about how the material is delivered into the table. Nobody is doing a manual press like nobody is hand cranking a record press. Because the amount of pressure you're talking about, like our, our presses kick out 150 tons of pressure. Jeez, really? Yeah, it's massive. Because you, well, you don't want to get your hands stuck in one of those. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, but 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 um. Yeah, if you can play the record wherever you, you go, though. Play it on your forehead. It's on the in the records in the grooves. That's microscopic, you know. So <laughs> to sort of get that resolution and to make sure that that heated PVC goes into the shape, of, you know, all those grooves, you know, you really got to you've got to squeeze it. Like you need you know minimum. Uh, I'd say 100 tons of pressure to get the. Wow. Get the um, but um, my my point back to the manual versus um, automatic is that it, it's a manual press is is typically you'll actually have a, a pair of presses and with one extruder between them and then an operator a single operator at that station and so what they'll do is they'll get the shot of PVC in the labels load one press engage and then while that's engaging they're setting up the other one and they kind of go back and forth so back. the labels are being putting on being put on while the record's being pressed yeah yeah because the, yeah they're they're the labels are held in place by just they get the heat from they the... get embedded into the object they become part huh. of it hmm. and, and that's why it's yeah so there's no glue or anything but that's also why you've got to cure the i think we talked about this last episode you got to cure the labels right or they don't they won't sit right they'll bubble up and they've got moisture in them. so we hmm. yeah we usually bake them for 24 hours a day in an, in an oven uh, beforehand hmm. so no. now we got our we got our records we got we got our records just sitting there what, what, what how we, so at this point we can either just have you ship us those records by themselves well, or we or we can work with you to do the other stuff too i'm sorry no oh uh, yeah i'm not quite there I, yet I so, ahead? Okay. so yeah so going back to the colored vinyl thing so yeah. what happens if you're doing like 100 red, 100 blue, 100 yellow or whatever. So I assume that that's after you've done your run of 100 blue or whatever, then you've got to clean out the – how are you cleaning out the press? Are you using a different um, – it, it depends on what the customer wants. Um, the, you know, there is there is a process to do, a, a, you know, a hard stop and a color change between colors. But then, you know, some more and more people are getting into the whole notion of transition colors. Yeah, it'd be like four of the yellow and blue, and they cost. Yeah. Oh, it, it, I see. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So that's because yeah, it's usually and and Tom hit it right. It's it's usually like six copies. Hmm. We'll have a little bit of both, hmm. and then um, you know, and then after that, the 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 new color will dominate. And then you know, you might occasionally here and there get like a little streak or a little remnant of the of the previous color, but um, no, we have to. Uh, we have to strategically kind of plan because certain, you know, especially if it's, if it's going to be like tra uh, transition colors, because certain colors can kind of dominate sure. over other ones, you know, so you've kind of got to like, generally we'll do, uh, you know, if it's going to be a run where there's, you know, there's a color section and then, and then the rest of it's black, we'll, we'll do the color first. Yeah. Um, you know, just to not risk kind of like the black kind of, you know, contaminating, um, uh -huh. The other ones, but um, so they're selling it like they're doing you a favor, but in actuality, it's just so they don't have to clean out the press or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. So how about those crazy, crazy splatter vinyls and stuff that people are doing these days? What's the deal with that? All right. Well, that's a that's a kind of a manual process, at least how we do it here. So what we'll typically do is we'll have whatever the main color is going to be for the biscuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll get loaded up in the hopper for the extruder. Um, but then, uh, and, and in those cases, we I recommend for your for the for the base color for the biscuit to go with a translucent is that way you get more bang for your buck mm-hmm. um, it's hard sense. if you do opaque you like you'll you end up getting like one side that looks really cool and the other side looks kind of half done you know yeah so if it's translucent you get you kind of you get a more sort of equal results on either side so you anyway you, you set it up like you would just to, you know do, do a regular translucent non-splatter run but then You've got an operator with a hot plate, uh, with um, with PVC compound, you know, the pellets of the colors that you've chosen uh, for the splatter process. And what they're doing is, with each biscuit delivery, they're stopping the press, they're opening it up, they're taking the B-side label off, they're sprinkling um, the heated pellets, you know, in in the pressing table, and then shutting the things down and letting it engage. And you know, because with the with the compression molding process, you're starting with you know a, a, a smaller diameter piece of material that then radiates out sure. as it's as, it, as it's squished flat. So all those dots turn into streaks. Hmm. The, the dots of the sort of secondary colors, they're in there just as you know in the in the biscuit and in the table as polka dots. But then as they you know as they're getting compressed and the material is rolling, you know to the outer diameter that's when they turn into the kind of bursts. So it's pretty labor intensive for you guys. So it's, it's gotta be a considerable cost. No, it is. That's why, like that's why there's such an upcharge. I mean, because, you know, you're talking about taking an, taking a press operator who can run two or three, you know, automatic presses, a shift with, without too much trouble. Maybe, you know, you might want to have, you know, somebody in there em- emptying the, uh, you know, pr- providing backup, and like emptying the trash cans that collect the flash and stuff. And, you know, but you're you're taking you know a person who can get that could cover that much those many machines and you're anchoring them to a single machine hmm. uh, because it's got that manual that manual step each cycle. So, so what about all that crazy stuff? And once again, I know this is not necessarily I don't know maybe you guys aren't doing this, but what about pirates doing all those like crazy spoked? You know, like uh, like it's it's like a pinwheel almost. I mean, yeah, is that, like a pinwheel. Is, how yeah. they doing that? Then I wonder. They've they've really I've noticed been very innovative with some of the stuff they've been trying to do, um, and, and they've come up with a lot of cool. Is it like proprietary where it's like nobody even really knows how they're doing it? Some of it is, but but a lot of it is a lot of it is just you can do you can get more creative uh, if you've got manual presses. Oh, gotcha. just with manual presses, all the material delivery is hand done. Because there's stuff really, because the the weird variants aren't really that much, aren't really any uh, maybe a couple dollars more than the black. I mean, they're pretty. They must be able to do it fairly. I, I almost would think they do it fairly automated because of the 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 they keep the price down on it. So I, that's the people in Czechoslovakia. Tom's only working for that's true. for a little that's true. bit you of gotta, money hire, a week. Hire these, uh, <laughs> that's what it is, but these I mean, a lot of that stuff like when you see. Um, you know, when you see the records where like the faces were, you know, half of it's one color and half's another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's a that's created by a hand constructed biscuit. So what you'd have to do, and we're not able to do that because we don't have manual presses. I mean, we can, you know, we can do one offs here and there, but as far as is, you know, it's setting practical to do a large run, yeah, we're not really set up to do that because what you have to do is you have to have two 
separate extruders loaded up with each color. And then they both kick out a biscuit, you know, off the respective color. And then you take like a, uh, I think they actually use like those electric cur uh, turkey carving knives, <laughs> you know, you, and you cut the biscuits in half and then wow. you take half of each color, cram them together, <laughs> put them in the press. So it's, you know, again, very, very manual there. Um, <laughs> so we, yeah, we don't, because we've got automatic presses, we can't do every single you know, sure. manual specialty item, but we can, you know, we can do splatter. We can do some really interesting, uh, hopper, hopper mix stuff. Uh, you know, smoke effect. There's high, there's high dispersal color, uh, compound additive. I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. It just, it, you know, how expensive do you want this record to be really? <laughs> but, but as, gotcha. the, as, gotcha. the, as, as our band vagina fiesta, um, if we want that, is that what we're calling ourselves? Yeah, now? sure. Why not? It was taco time with the bean burritos. <laughs> Pussy repellent, cunt punch, something like that. Um, <laughs> so, so if we're asking for something funky like that, we're paying more for those, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. All right. So Tom, we have our 500 black. So on our, on our on our <laughs> debut, I think we should go with basic black. You know? Basic black. All right. Yeah, that's that's nice. So all right. So I'll tell you what. Why don't we uh, play play another song and then we can get into the sort of where we go from here. Sure. All right. I think we got anti scene next. Really another nice. One of your favorites. Yes. Yeah. What what what's the what's the deal with this, Mark? This is Born to Win from the upcoming album Great Disasters. So this is brand new. Oh, it's a new a new anti-scene record. We got back-to-back. -back, actually, I think we're going to end up with three back-to-back -back world debuts. Wow. Wow. So, going to have to push hashtag, this one, Tom. Hashtag blessed, Neil. Yeah, damn straight. Glad, <laughs> no, glad, thanks. That's awesome. Glad, glad we got him back. All right, so let's listen to this. This is anti-scene with Born to Win for the first time ever.
All right, anti-scene there was Jeff going Clayton, to win. the handsomest, the handsomest man in rock and roll, and his <laughs> band of brothers. There you go. I love um, that guy, man. And what's that record going to be called? Uh, the, the the new album is called Great Disasters. Uh, hoping to have that out um, August, like maybe late August, early September, right around uh, there. Okay, cool. So, so do Tom, you uh, do the TKO Records get the priority in the Cascade Press, or oh, yeah, are you still question. running a business? That's a good question. I mean, g- generally speaking, the customers get priority. Um, yeah, you just when you can do it, you do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it depends on what's going on, you know, and then there are some cases where, uh, you know, we could, we could have, we could be all set up and have a, you know, the week schedule worked out and then, you know, something goes on that, that interrupts a job and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we got to drop something in and, you know, and some sometimes TKS, TKO stuff will drop in, you know, assuming that there isn't another, uh, you know, priority job ahead of it. Are these these represses you're doing? I mean, are you doing uh, uh, five hundred, a thousand, or is it just vary? I mean, is it like uh, you generally doing a certain quantity of them, or are they just kind of you're trying to guess the mar- what the market of, will bear of my stuff? Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it depends on it depends on the band, it depends on the release. Uh, I've got a, a pretty good handle on, um, you know, a sort of a baseline, like a good a good quantity to start with, and sure. then, um, but I mean, you know. Most of the, uh, the the catalog from the you know from the TKO Big Four, um, so it all sells pretty consistently. So, okay, that's good. Yeah. So oh, I see. Like I know, like uh, you know, it seems some you don't always have everything in stock. So, I, you know, that, that some of the uh, anti-seed stuff's not available at any given time. Is that just a, is that something you try to keep constantly stocked, or is it just you know? I mean, a lot of it is. The, the anti-scene stuff, I mean, because I mean, I originally put that stuff out, you know, like anti-scene poison idea, yeah, like like the poison idea stuff too. Like most of it you have in stock, but like you don't have all of it at the moment, right? Right. There's, some, I mean, I think what if you're seeing some missing hole, you know, some holes in the catalog, it's because some of that stuff is is up for uh, sort of being oh, reissue, remastered. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's you know it's um you know like for that 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 from the track we played earlier for PI. Uh, you know, Darby Crash Rides Again. I mean, I put that out originally, the original version of 2011. So it's hmm. it's it's been a bit. Well, so and and, and some of the anti scene, like the early stuff, you didn't necessarily put out, right? But have you are you reissuing like the records before? Or are you just doing the ones that you put out? Um, well, I I wasn't the original. Uh, I mean, other other than like boys boys from Brutalsville, and then as I say, it was around 2000 or so. You kind of. Yeah, that that was the stuff that was. But I mean, I pretty much did most most of their kind of pre two thousand catalog. I did reissue, you know, in the early oh, you did okay two thousands, and it's just that you know a lot of those have sold out. So like for example, uh, I think last time I was on, uh, we we played one of the bonus tracks from the upcoming uh, reissue of um, Here to Ruin Your Groove. You oh, know? that's a real early one. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's going to be coming out. Um, you know, I'd say within the next month, um, and then and then we have talked about uh, doing. I think as far as the old the old stuff, uh, the the next one we're looking at is Eat More Possum. I was gonna say, did you did you ever reissue Eat More Possum Southern Hostility like that era? Yeah, I did. I did. did. I, okay. I did versions of both of those records. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, it's you know it's it, it's it's been a while and and they've bo- both of those have been unavailable for quite a while now so yeah we're gonna you know we're eventually gonna bring those back I think that, you know and 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 you know 
it's a years long process at this point when you're talking about this kind of catalog, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's really it's really about doing it right. Not well, okay, so that's a really, so that's actually a really good question. So going back to what we've been talking about before, so when yeah. you decide to do that to remaster something that might be twenty years old, twenty five years old. How are you doing that? Are you going are you going back finding the original masters somehow, or are you remastering it from scratch? How, how are you doing that? What are you doing? It, it really depends on what's available. So, like, you know, if 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 you're able to get the, you know, the original multi-track reels, mm-hmm. that's good. But 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 a lot of times that will require, uh, you know, remixing. Um. Or if you're, or if you find, um, you know, the mixed down reels. So it's like you, like for example, right now, um, for Poison Idea, uh, we must burn. Um, Jerry found the, the quarter inch reels from those sessions, and so I've I've sent those to the transfer house to get baked and transferred. And those those were just quarter inch reels, so they were just two tracks. So they were they were the fu- you know the the final original mix. Um, so, you know, it, it will eventually be, you know, it'll, it'll come up here and then it'll get, it'll get remastered and, and, and cleaned up and stuff. But as far as the mix, the mix is going to be, um, you know, ex- exactly like the original. Um, and, you know, and, and again, it's not, I mean, I'm, you know, any, any one of those outcomes is acceptable. It's just really down to, it's, it's all about doing the best you can with what's available. But if you couldn't find those tapes. What would the what would you have to do? Um, I guess the the next go to is to try to find uh, the, like the earliest digital copy. That's kind of that's my move. So I'll just go and and you know depending on what it is, I'll I'll find like our, who was the what was the first version of this on CD? You know, because typically those won't have uh, you know it again depending on when the music dates from. Um, if you know if you're talking about something from the '80s. It, it won't have a lot of kind of the, or probably won't have a lot of the sort of negative qualities that people tend to associate with CDs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just too and so, loud and too compressed. Yeah, you'll, well, you just get you'll get something with more headroom, more more, mm-hmm. more for the for the, uh, for the mastering engineer to work with as far as the frequencies. But that might still be why some of those still don't sound as good as the original vinyl does, like the original the original vinyl from. 1982 or whatever yeah i mean so much of that is subjective but yeah it, it, it's it, it's either you know if you if, if, if you're under if you've got a reissue and you're underwhelmed by how it sounds compared to the original i mean there's a, there's a lot of things it could have been it could have been the limits of the source material mm-hmm. it could be the limits of the ability of the engineer um you know this it's 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 you know without having a sort of a specific title to diagnose it's, it's hard to say yeah you know but so that, um, but but basically, that word "remastered" can cover a multitude of sins, right? It could mean it could be good or it could be bad. That, yeah, that, yeah, that remastered term. Don't, yeah, it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be better. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. Well, and it, it it's funny because it does a lot of times come down to some labels are more trustworthy than others, right? For now. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because like you know, I, I I just you know, like what what Mark's doing and what Trust is doing, they really seem to be capturing the essence of the records as opposed to you know Cleopatra or some of these other. <laughs> sort of operations yeah. that seem to be sort of i don't know what they're doing even yeah they're gonna sue but, us now thanks for that time well listen <laughs> i'm not saying i don't have any cleopatra records in my collection i'm just saying i don't go out of my way for them yeah. but anyway all right so neil we're okay so 
you got all our records right now. You you got our five hundred seven inches, seven songs, seven inch. What are our options at this point? Can you pack them up? And is there a way to pack them up and ship them without covers? The way you could just send us the raw records and we do it ourselves? Is that an option? Or we have you do it all? Or what, what are we what are we doing for packaging? That's entirely up to the customer. Um, like we we've got customers that just go, yeah, just send us send us the 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 records in you know in inner sleeves, you know generic inner sleeves, and we'll take care of them there. Sure. And then we've got, you know, the other side of that is we've got people, uh, you know, that says, yeah, I want, I want to be able to open these things up and put them directly on the record shelf, you know, on, on, gotcha. on the store. you know, so we, we, we will pretty much off, we offer anything from, you know, those two, those two extremes to anything in between. Um, yeah. Well, I think Neil and I are both going to wear red lipstick and we're just going to sit around and we're each going to take half of them and just put big kissy faces on the I like that era, that, white yes. inner sleeve. And yeah. then we're just going to fold up our black and white sleeves that we probably made at Kinko's because we still have a buddy who works there. Yeah, we're going back to 1981, man. Yeah, doing from, a, doing from, DIY. From back, from back in the day. Yeah, fuck yeah. So obviously, the cost is very dependent if you want a gloss, you know, full color or black and white or glossy or whatever kind of kind yeah, of sleeve. Gatefold with a pop-up glow-in-the-dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, with a matchbook in it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you can get, yeah, you can get as ridiculous as you want with it and you know, again, it just all comes down to well, how much do you want this thing to cost? Um, I mean, I have people ask me like, "Hey, can you get better sounding compound?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, but how much do you want this record to cost?" <laughs> you know. So, so tell me something else, Mark, because I've been struggling with this just because of my age, and, and you and I are about the same age, I think. But you know, we used to go to these punk shows, and seven inches would be this was the merch table price. Seven inches would be like three bucks, right? Two for five yeah. bucks, something like that. And we've been watching them creep up. And listen, everything's gotten more expensive. I'm not. I'm not begrudging an artist charging anything or, or a small label charging anything. But all of a sudden, we've reached the era where the normal price of a seven inch seems like a lot of times it's like ten bucks. Well, ten to fifteen dollars. Like oh yeah, well, it, it depends. I still see. Yeah. I still see some really like crusty labels still trying to do them for like six bucks. But yeah, it's pretty much become the ten dollar seven inch. And at that point, boy, you better put four songs on there for me. But um, what is the what is the difference? Is it not worth pressing a seven inch at this point? Should we have made a twelve inch? Should should uh, I don't remember what they were band. What did you say it was Cunt Punch? You know? Cunt Punch, yeah. Why not? Wait, I don't think that. See, I don't think we're going to get that one into uh, Walgreens or whatever. <laughs> what was the what was the store that wouldn't carry yeah, MC Five? Names are getting more and more uh, <laughs> rude. What was it? What was it? Woolworths that wouldn't carry the MC Five record, Neil? I can't remember. They wouldn't even carry Buzzcocks. Oh shit! Right. They yeah. ran an ad that said like fuck. Whatever the yeah exactly that's when they got dropped from the like, Atlantic logo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh man, um, no, that's it. I mean, you, you raise a very good question. Um, it, you know, you know, it used to be, yeah, that a seven inch was a was a cheap way for you to check out a band or you know, if it's a split or something or a comp, several bands, you know, with you know five bucks or less. Um, you know, it's pretty, you know, a pretty inexpensive, non-committal way to check out some new music. Um, you know, now, I mean, you've got YouTube and all the streaming services. So that's it's kind of uh, it's kind of gone the way sort of like the, the sampler CD, you know, the, the cheap sampler CD. Like those are those are both kind of obsolete. Oh, so, I still get I still get those. I never, ever listen to them ever. Yeah. Throw oh, them yeah, in the car. Send, yeah. Send them to you. Yep. Yeah. We, I still get still people sending them. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I loved them, but yeah, that's just not. That's. Not, I that's, never. I never really did love them. I know some people have such nostalgia, especially for like that golden era of like when Fat was doing them and some of the other. Labels. Did you guys do them? Did TKO yeah. have a series? Punch drunk. Punch yeah. drunk. Yeah, they're really punch good actually. <laughs> I have to say, those punch drunk uh, yeah, first, first ones are really five good. Them. Yeah. We did five, okay. and then and then we and there was a and then like a, for a little bit after we did we did ones that were just free. I think we call them like the summer bummer, bummer, summer bummer, or something like that. Um, Just throw them in with an order. Yeah, that you know, but um, and people liked them, but uh, you know, they definitely. I mean, punch drugs like the you know they, those were selling like you know, I think it, it, sold like thirty thousand copies or something. It, you know, there, there was the time where they, that was the. It is. It is amazing. Like I said, like the give them the boots were real big, and the uh, I remember going to like Warp Tour in like nineteen ninety seven or whatever and i come home with like all these free like honest dons and all these little oh, yeah 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 no tk yeah. I, I i didn't do the whole tour but i'm not i you know i'd do like four or five uh warp like tour down the west coast and i'd you know i'd give i'd give out like a hundred copies of punch drunk a, a show you know huh. getting back to tom's question though i think what he was asking was is it cheaper to produce a seven inch than it is to produce a 12 inch not, for you guys really. or is it the same price i mean it's you 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 do see I mean, it's. I don't well, know. It's less I, I product, the, obviously, but what I what I advise is, you know, the the seven inches, they're they're kind of more at least the ones that I put out, it, they've got to kind of be a slam dunk, you know. So mm. it's, you know, if it's like a cool, you know, just a couple a couple of rando non album tracks from from an established band that's already got a fan base, or, um, you know, at the very least, like. You know, if it's a newer band, they, you know, they put their they put their demo up on Bandcamp, and then they get enough uh, heat from that that people are like, oh, we got to get this on vinyl, and then then you go ahead and you and and you press it on record, you know. Um, but it's not, it, it's no longer that first move, hmm. you know. Right, well, like um, it used to be. It used to be the first I move. Really, really, I think Bandcamp and all that kind of stuff has sort of replaced that. Okay. But it's a bummer. You know, I mean, Neil's got a, a billion, like you go, you ever make it over to his house? He's got like a billion seven inches and in singles, like, but he's got a lot of the old English singles, two song singles. Yeah. That's what we used I'm to buy. From the, that's what we get afford, right? I'm more from, yeah. Cause they were cheap. Right. But yeah. I'm more from the era of, you know, negative approach, anecdote, uh, gorilla biscuits where their first album, if you will, was like eight songs on a seven inch. And that was such a great, it'd be like, 14 minutes long, 13 minutes long, negative approaches, you know, 10 songs, nine minutes or whatever. But, you know, it's just, it was a great, it was like a half album. It's a good, a good value. Yeah. 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 It was like a half an album and it was like, you know, three bucks or whatever. So the way, the other way I kind of approach that, if you're, you know, again, you, you touched on like, well, how, okay, how do we make, how do we deliver good value for seven inches now? You know, when they cost this much. I, I, and this is sort of switching gears to more like the label philosophy is that you pick, at least for me, I will reissue seven inches that, you know, I know are co- cost like hundreds of dollars. On discogs or whatever, yeah. If you, if you buy an original, they're not available. So it's like, you you know, you're, you're making, you're, you're bringing back that music, you know, on the original format and, the, and you know, as close to the original presentation as, as mm-hmm. uh, some to get without having to pay you know 300 bucks or a thousand bucks or something 
So that's that is one area where true, yeah, this this, this can still be a, a you know a, a it's bringing value to it, you know. Well, what what I see a lot of them doing, you know, I'll take take like the antidote for example, the Thou Shalt Not Kill Seven Inch, kind of a classic classic hardcore seven inch. I think it had seven or eight songs on it. Well, it doesn't make sense to make a seven inch now. I think Victory actually reissued it at some point in the two thousands oh, or whatever. Bridge Nine did it. Bridge Nine, okay. I always get Bridge Nine and Victory kind of mixed up. They kind of did a lot of the same, similar stuff. But anyway, but Radio Rahim, I don't know where Radio Rahim's other newer label does a bunch of hard careers. So they no, picked that up. Guys, yeah, they're they're. Uh, there's one thing. There's one guy in New York and one guy in the Boston area. I actually have not bought anything, but I've heard really good things about what they're doing. So I'm sure I'll check out check it out at some point. But yeah, so they take those original eight songs, and then they find two more demos, and they make it an LP. I mean, it's a long LP. It's like 29 songs or something. But right. I don't know. There's something magical about those seven or eight songs originally, you know? Oh, I he's got looking you. At, talking about like this. That's it. Yep. That's versus, just, yeah. Versus the, the reissue of the seven. Right. Yeah. So you still have the, the plastic on it. Have you listened to it yet? Oh, no. I own that. That's that's from my mail order inventory that I just pulled. <laughs> oh, you could, you, you're you selling them. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha, you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so that's for my that's my man, my web store uh, inventory is just off camera. Yeah. So, so okay, why don't we why don't we do, since since you mentioned that, so you're just tkorecords.com? Is that where we can order from you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we suck at helping people promote their own stuff. So well, what about, and what, what about Cascade? Do you guys have a website or how do they? Sure, uh, it's just cascaderecordpressing.com. Okay. I got a, I got a, I got a couple more questions first though before yeah, we, no, before no, we no, let I this mean, guy I'm go. Not him off. I just yeah. I just thought we should throw that in while we were thinking about it because we're old and we lose our train of thought easily, Neil. That's true. You just made me forget two questions. Damn it, man. Um, so, sorry, man. Go ahead. It's all <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> so okay, getting back, getting back to the what's the name of our band? Pussy Repellent. Is that where we are? Um, getting getting <laughs> so back to good. our seven inch. Um, how are we getting that out into stores? Well, uh, com- uh, countrywide, nationwide. Well, that's our problem, dude. He doesn't care about that. No, I'm, I'm just yeah, asking. I don't. I don't know anything about that. So how 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 do we do? Gen- how do we go about that? Generally speaking, yeah. um, I mean, it all it all depends. Uh, you know, if it's self released, and you, you know, if it's something where like you you're the hot shit band of the minute, you won't have you won't have a problem. The distros will be seeking you out. Hmm. Yeah. You know, but but um, you know, if you're, you know, if you're from a more humble starting position where you're, you need to kind of build the audience. Um, I think that, you know, the bands, you know, web presence, social media, Bandcamp, all, all that kind of stuff helps. Um, Instagram. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're friends with other bands or, or you're or mutual fans of other bands, you can trade. You can trade a little bit. Yeah, we used to do back in the day a lot. So, and, and if you in particular, if you liked what you heard on our, on our, on the test press or whatever, would would TKO sign us? I mean, does is that kind of thing happening now with the labels? Are they still going out actively uh, and looking for bands to sign? Not, not with TKO really so much, but there are. There are a lot of sort of tastemaker new labels that are dedicated to working with current new artists, um, you know, and, uh, you know, on all different kinds of styles and subgenres and stuff. I mean, it's still it's still very, very active. Uh, you know, honestly, though, I, 
I mean, with all the with all the tools and the outlets that are available to bands now, it, it don't really need a label. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, it, it, I mean, if you're if you're ready to put in the work and you're ready to focus, um, it it's it's funny, Neil. I know exactly what we would do. We would call all the people we've had on the podcast and all the friends we've made and just beg each of them to take like ten copies for their <laughs> for their sister. <laughs> we know so many people. The there you go. So Mark, you can be expecting that phone call from us, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I give one to my mom. No, that's that counts. Um, is it, I'm trying. To, I mean, I'm trying to think of. I mean, there's probably labels I don't even know. You know, but there's a. I, I think that you know these days for the labels that I still am in touch with. I mean. You know, they. I, I think you're 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 better off as an artist if you you know if you've got the the personnel on you know to, to do something like this is just to go forward and just pretend like record labels aren't even a thing that exist and just do your thing and put out records. And if I think a, a lot of labels, um, you know, if they see a band that's just like not, you know, not going to label to label, just trying to go, hey, you know, help us out, help us do all these things for us they see a band just sort of taking care of these things themselves, you know, and, and that are a few releases deep and a, a few tours in and, you know, people are talking about them online and, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and there's this whole, you know, all this evidence that they're kind of, they're, they're kind of making it happen. Um, you know, a lot of times that's when a, like a larger, more established label might come, come out of the woodwork and be like, Hey, uh, what are you guys doing for your next record? You know, maybe you can do something with us, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think that's that's a much more uh, plausible scenario, at least you know, it, you know, for independent music. Sure. Um, yeah. Than just going like, oh, we need a label, we need a label. Not really, you know. Hmm. And, and, and you know, you will, you know, you might eventually get to a point where you need a label, but you know, a lot, you know, you're you're going to be in a much stronger bargaining position if you know you've already sort of established your you know, records without a label, you know. No, we're gonna do that thing where we just get like ten different like ten different labels. Deal, it's gonna be like Garage Rock, Sexy Baby, Failure Records and Tapes present. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then we and then we just talk about yeah. ourselves on the podcast every week. Exactly, it's gonna be like fourteen <laughs> different labels. Yes, yeah, yeah. throwing a couple hundred bucks. Hey, going going back to the whole uh, pressing plant thing, which is what you guys do, obviously. So, I mean, obviously, a few years ago there was very few. And there was that shortage and, you know, people had to wait two years for their vinyl to get pressed and stuff. That appears to have eased now. Is that because there's just a ton more pressing plants around the world? Um, you're talking about just the stuff over COVID? Yeah, 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 when when there was such long Well, just in stuff. general, right? Yeah, like, just in like general. Like the general, the business, how many more pressing plants are I mean, I haven't checked the stats, but I mean, there's still like, I mean, last I kind of, the numbers were being kicked around. Um, I, I think that like the global annual demand for for new records was like 300 million a year. Wow, is it that many? Yeah, and and, and then the one, global, one record global, per person in the United States. You, know, you and I are really picking up some slack. Plus, the thing, global global capacity is about half that. So we're still behind. Um, But I I mean, in terms of new plants coming online, I mean, when Cascade came online, we were number 16 in North America. And there's now um, well over 30. Okay. Um, 
Now, granted, they aren't like your Rambo's and and Erica's and and uh, yeah, huge. You know, they're Smaller. not they're not like you know ten, twelve, twenty presses or something. I mean, some of them are some of them are like one press, two presses. You know, they're quite small. Um, like I wonder what Third Man is. Like Third Man is running an operation. They're out at I don't know if they're out. Of, I think they're out in Detroit, right? Detroit. Like I, don't, I mean, I wonder how how big are they? I mean, they they doing five presses or are they doing two presses? I have no idea. Um, I don't know. I know it's multiple. Um, and I and I know it. It's it sounded like they had a few different configurations. Like they had some manuals and they had some automatics. It's all new. Knowing knowing Jack White, he's probably got a couple that like run on. St- or something <laughs> steam like bunk, steam bunk press well, old fashioned a, yeah. there is a steam component oh that's how, well you got to heat the yeah, i suppose you got to heat the that's how yeah that's how you heat the material but no knowing him it's like some weird like a guy has to sit on one of those big wheeled bikes and oh yeah <laughs> pedal or <laughs> to do it by hand yeah, pedal it yeah well i saw i saw that uh metallica bought their own plant i don't know if you saw that i don't know how much you pay attention to they bought into furnace yeah and uh, they sold last year nine hundred thousand records. Wow, that is insane, right? Yeah. Step aside, Taylor Swift. Now, granted, that's a catalog of yeah, it's a deep catalog, a yeah. dozen records at least, or whatever. But uh, well, hmm. they actually actually sold them, or they're just sitting unsold and well, they, in fucking uh, no. I, I think I think Target. they're selling them. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it's funny, Neil. You know, it's like when you reach a certain age. You know, and it's happened to me. You get to a certain age. Walmart has more records you want than you know than some of these hipster record stores do. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the, the like have... I think I'd rather buy AC. I'd rather buy ACDC reissues than whatever some of these alleged punk kids are listening to. You know, well, there you go. But that's a whole different, whole yeah. different story. Um, I have a couple more questions, but do you want to play? Should we play the last song? Should we play this? Uh, who's this? Who's this band? Long Knife. Tell us about them. Okay, well, this is, yeah, this is following my my move of the big four and then bringing you guys something new. And le- last time it was Tyrant. This time it is Long Knife um, from Portland. Okay. Great hardcore punk band. Um, you know, guys that have been around the scene for a while. Uh, you've got some uh, former members of the Riffs, hmm. uh, members of Hellshock, and, and quite a few other, you know, well-known Portland bands. Um and this is for an upcoming uh, singles and EP collection that I'm doing with them. And uh, this is another world debut. It's uh, them doing Someday, which is an external menace cover. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, look, looking forward to that one. It'd be nice if we could figure out a title for the for the project. I don't have that yet. Um. <laughs> well, Neil and I have thrown a bunch of different things at oh, you. Yeah. Go back and listen to the tape, and I'm sure you can find something. <laughs> Loafing oaths. There you go. <laughs> Star Chamber. We've got a ton of them. We've got a million. All right. Taco Patrol. <laughs> Chinatown Flophouse. All right. Uh, so Long Knife with, you said this is called Someday? Someday, yeah. Someday, okay. Stop your fucking world with it.
that. That's a long knife from Portland with uh, another world premiere tonight. That was uh, the song Someday. That's interesting, right? Because there's a big difference between the riffs and Hellshock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, one's very rock and rolly, and the other one is a little, little crusty, right? A little crunchy. Very metal. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, Pretty, cool. yeah. I, think, I think the new, I haven't heard the new Hellshock record, but someone told me they had gone full bolt thrower. So, is that right? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm interested to hear that. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because I keep seeing, you know, I'm always looking at distros and stuff, and I keep seeing these long knife records in the distro, but I don't know anything about them. I'd never, I've never heard them. Trust, so. trust me, you're gonna love them. I'm gonna I, love them. Okay. I don't know about Neil, but they're, that means, yeah, that, they're, that I need means to, I'm like, not. I, I need to keep one of those little notebooks where I just like write down things that I should because I'm at work. I Spotify at work. You know, I don't Spotify at home, but I Spotify at work, and I always can't think of what to listen to so i just listen to the same old crap i need to remember to tom do yourself a favor at long knife's got a uh, their their newest album was called curb stomp earth nice it's fantastic check it out though. okay yeah it, and it's uh yeah they 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 are you know they're, they're carrying the portland banner portland punk banner proudly um oh, cool yeah yeah so you'll yeah you should check that out and see what the fuss is all about and then you know and then when this uh singles collection thing that i'm doing comes out you'll, you can dig that too um but yeah they're they're a fantastic band um yeah one of, one of my favorite current bands right now for sure cool okay so, all right neil you said you had a couple more questions my wife hasn't knocked on the door yet and said hey can i go to bed or what so i guess we're cool to go so getting back to the getting back to your plan so do you have um record store days coming up this weekend do you have stuff yep. that you're putting out for record store day or we're putting out for record store day or whatever ko yeah. No. Well, are you, are you pressing anything for it? Have you been pressing um, anything for yeah, RST? I, I, you know, I haven't even looked to see if because our, our our attitude towards Record Store Day is that if you want us to do a Record Store Day title, plan ahead mm-hmm. because we're not going to games with the deadlines. We're not going to put your job ahead of other people's jobs. Mm. And so I think that if if we have done any Record Store Day stuff this year, I think there's I think there might be one. I got to look at that list, man. I haven't even looked at it yet. There's, there always is stuff that I go, oh, we did that, and I didn't even realize that's what it was. Uh, for. Uh, I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I I will say that I enjoy as a now that I don't own a store, um, <laughs> I, I enjoy a record store day as a civilian. I, I go out, um, you know, I generally find uh, something to be stoked on every year. Uh, this year we are doing sort of an advanced version of the uh, Poison Idea, the Young Lords live album. Uh, we, we ran 60 on translucent pink that are going to be available only at second Avenue records here in Portland. And that's sort of like an advanced, uh, a pre-release uh, availability of that. And then so what, era, what era is that? What era of the band is that? 1982. So Oh, super, super, super early. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, I got I got copies for you guys. I'll put I'll put them in the mail. Um, so oh my gosh, Mark! You, you, I tell you, man, there's nothing better than coming home from work, you know, kind of staring at the ground, head held low, Jesus. seeing there's a package on the front porch, and not remembering ordering anything. That's and like then, the greatest. And then you, and, yeah, and you, you, you bring it in, and your wife yells at you. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I got I did get a couple of I I I got a couple things in the mail today, Neil. I'll tell you later. So. All right, Mark, let me let me ask you something that really bugs me, and I think it bugs Tom too. So sure. a, a lot of bands or record labels or press, I, I don't know who's, who's making these decisions, but they're taking albums, classic albums that used to be released on, on, one, on one piece of vinyl, 
Oh, and they're, yeah. and they're deciding that they're going to change them into a double album. With like and two, don't even with, add any tracks or anything. Right. There'll be, be like two tracks aside. So instead of being like eight tracks on one album, it's now like it's now the eight tracks are spread amongst two albums. And they'll be playing at 45 instead of 33. Why, why are they doing so that? You're talking about like the sort of half-speed master audio yes, file? Yes, exactly. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing that because if they're doing it right, they sound amazing. Now, is that because the grooves are wider or something? Like, why is that? And they're playing at 45 instead of 33, right? You're, you're, you're playing at 45, so you're gaining volume. And that you're, you've also got um, a whole lot more room to work with. So the, the grooves can be farther apart. You, you just, um, it's just a, it's a, it's a less efficient way to store the material, but you get, um, again, if it's done properly, you, the results are amazing. I, I haven't delved too deeply into that stuff, but, um, I did, do you remember the Eno, uh, reissues, the Brian Eno reissues mm-hmm. that came out of ago that were remastered at Abbey road? Yep. And there, there were, um, and there were those, there were the half speed master, you know, double, double LP versions. Um, I bought a couple of those and they sounded incredible. Hmm. Now I will say they didn't sound so incredible that when I saw how much they were going for after they'd sold out, right? that I didn't flip them and then just buy myself the regular <laughs> national versions. I mean, you know, but sure. you know, again, if you are, you know, if you, if you really, you know, if your dream is to have, you know, you know, pick one of those records and you, you know, you've, if you've got a good playback system and a good, you know, you've spent you know, decent money, decent stylus. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, yeah, they can sound amazing again, but again, that's only if, you know, handled and executed properly, you know, I do feel like sometimes it's just a cash grab. All of a sudden you got a $40 LP that you have very little investment into making. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. So it's a bummer to have to flip it after two songs. That's a, it is, that man. too. It's a huge pain in the ass. Well, well, and I've been, I've been complaining about it a lot lately, actually, because I actually bought Neil's old turntable, which is very nice. It's 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 good. I like it, but it's not automatic, so it doesn't even. I have to. I can't even put a record on and walk away. I have to wait for it to right. be done so I can pick the needle up. Um, but I like I, you know what? It made me think of another question, Neil. I don't know where you're at at the moment, but like I said, I haven't been kicked out of my room yet. So um, the what is the capacity now? Is is it only like forty six minutes? Because I swear, when I was a kid, you could put like an hour on a record, right? I'm, the the rule of thumb I go by is for for an LP, um, you, you want to keep it between fifteen and eighteen minutes aside. Oh, really? That short? Yeah. If you go over eighteen minutes, you start to sacrifice uh, sound quality. Is that because the grooves are closer together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, then if you and and then if you get to if you get to um, twenty minutes or certainly anything past twenty minutes, at that point, you know, it, it, it we we call it the sort of if you insist mode, <laughs> where you know we have to explain to them like, look, if you're going to push this medium sort of beyond it's it sort of it's recognized limits um 
Like if you're coming to me with 20 minute sides or 25 minute sides or something like test pressing, like you get what you get, man. I don't, (laughs) I don't, you're, you're already doing this wrong. So it's like, yeah. Well, I love, I love a half hour record. I love a half hour record. I think that is kind of the, should be the goal, but like, okay. So for a, a very specific example, they just last year reissued Alice in Chains' album Dirt. came out in 92. It was kind of like a dirgy. I, I loved it. I was a teenager when it came out, you know. And I have a Euro pressing on music on vinyl. It's about 50 minutes long, 51 minutes long. And it sounds great on black vinyl. But I know the new American pressing is, is dual up. So I know you can go further than that. I swear, like, when Metallica put out Injustice for All, which was like 63 minutes long or something, they yeah. said it was like two minutes too long to put on one record. It was 88. You can't see Mark's face, but he's looking very quizzical. So, okay, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. I'm totally wrong, dude. I, I mean, I, I'm just, he's saying I'm you're full of shit without message. saying you're full of shit. <laughs> you know what? I can accept that. That's I mean, are you thinking Are you thinking about the whole 72 minutes on, on a CD? No, no, because people are still doing that, too. That was a horrible idea. That was one of the worst things of the CD era was that we have all this time. We should try to fill it. Well, you don't have that many good songs, dude. Right, right. After after forty minutes, we're we're going to the exit. Yeah, after forty minutes, yeah, I, I put something else on. <laughs> punk, punk records or rock and roll records, like thirty thirty five minutes. Yep. And then let's at, move. At, at the very least, when we were kids, you buy ninety minute cassette tapes and you can put a record on each side. Right. Oh yeah. And if, and if a record wouldn't sit fit on one side of a ninety minute tape, then it was BS. But I mean, the, the Sex Pistols record's probably like forty minutes, right? I mean, that's 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 it's not like thirty, like the first Ramones album, but. Yeah, I don't have to check, but but I yeah, but the rule yeah the rule of thumb now and and what I always try to shoot for is um try to keep it under under eighteen right in that pocket, hmm. um, and then we'll if you that. get if you get under fifteen minutes, that's when you're talking about okay, do we need to cut this at forty five? Better fidelity. So Neil, I guess maybe we could do a single sided twelve inch. <laughs> no, don't do that. I'm, the, I'm against I, the twelve I inch. Too. I think they're see. I mean, they're, it's fun, but they're kind of a waste no i'm i'm old enough where on the 70s the only people putting out 12 inches were disco records those were disco records 12 inches because it was always like the yeah. the disco mix or whatever i always get off me jesus um mix. yeah exactly so like you know like blondie would put heart of glass on the 12 inch which was the dance mix or some shit so yeah we didn't want those punk records with seven Four, inches 14 God damn minute fl- 14 minute flute solo yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'll tell you time. what. I, I'm 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 ready to let Mark go have his dinner, Neil. But I'll let you. I don't want to cut you off. If no. I I think I'm all asked out. Actually, he. I mean, I'm sure I'll think of something. Like when I wake up to pee oh, yeah. at 3 a.m. Well, I'll I be tell like, you what, Man, I wish I would asked him this or that. But let's finish off with this one. Picture discs. Where do you stand on those? And do you guys make them? We do not make them. Um, I'm I'm a fan. I I own a few. I pressed a few. And, you know, pre pre cascade. Um, I will say that, um, you know, pirates and GZ, they, they have achieved like quality, good sounding picture discs. Um, so they're not like they used to be in the seventies where it was just unlistenable basically. No, not at all. No, they've, they've perfected it. I'm, I'm not sure how they, how they did it exactly. Um, but yeah, those, the, the picture discs I've heard out of there are the best sounding ones I've, I've ever heard. Um, so, it, it, you know, again, it, Still not as good as a just a conventional record, mm-hmm. but you know, like like with the colored vinyl, they've they've you know they've, they've improved by leaps and bounds. Where you know it's, I mean, these days, 
the only kind of compound choice or, or format choice that you can make with records where you are really compromising sound quality is the glow in the dark. Still, okay, yeah, because those I've got I've some got, terrible. Yeah, they sound like just you know they. You got to think about like anytime you're adding a color or really any anything to the PVC, you're you're um you're you're destabilizing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're and and so the the more you do with it, the more you mess with it, the more you've got you're mixing colors and putting splatters. You're you're kind of uh, you know you're you're adding liabilities. You know, you're adding adding potential sound issues. And yeah, with the with the uh, glow-in-the-dark compounds, and, they, and they've even gotten quite a, quite a bit better. But I mean, I always tell people, like, look, it's going to sound like you're frying bacon in the studio, you yeah. know, or you're or you're singing songs around a campfire or something. Just get ready for some, <laughs> some snap, crackle, pop, and and you know, there's no there's no getting around that, you know. Hmm. Um, so we'll cross that off, Neil. Well, we well, well, seven-inch glow-in-the-dark. It just makes all people have to buy two. They have to buy it on black vinyl so they can listen to it, and then the glow-in-the-dark one to collect or whatever, right? And to so look at it. That three hundred million units a year demand is because you're. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. yeah. Copies of the same record or whatever. <laughs> well, on that note, um, well, it's I'm, funny because I was gonna say I was gonna my original plan, my devious plan was to pull one of the songs from Mark's band that we tried to talk about at the beginning that never existed. <laughs> so we actually don't have another song to play out with, Neil, do we? Uh, Mark can pull one, out, pull one out of the top of his head. Yeah, Mark, give us one. Give us one of your favorite songs, then. Oh, just... If, anything. Anything. Um, you play us out, man, because you've been good enough to talk to us for, again, for two hours. Yeah, which, I would say we're probably approaching like the four-hour mark between the two episodes. Gosh, you, gosh, you. Don't see what what have I been bumping lately? Um, man, something off of that uh, chisel uh, mess split. If you have, you guys haven't already played that to death. Um, so I, everybody's talking about the chisel. I actually have not checked them out yet. Well, have you have you heard? Have you seen that seven inch? There was a split seven inch between them and then uh, mess from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh. Uh-uh. Um, well, if you can here, let me let me make sure so I can give you the exact song. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's on there. Hang on a second. Yeah, everybody's talking about the chisel, and I I don't know why I haven't checked them out yet because I've heard, I've taken I've heard it from you heard that too, right? You know, a lot of people that whose opinion I definitely respect said you got to check these guys out. Yeah, I, I don't like the I don't like the vocalist. I didn't like the vocalist oh, when no? he was another band, and I don't like the I don't, oh chubby I just, yeah chubby in the gang. I just don't like the vocals. Well, check out check out the mess song uh, "Don't Look Back" from that split. All right, that's um, what we're gonna play out with then. The mess. That's a phenomenal song. Yeah. And what's it called? They're from Guadalajara, you said, huh? Yeah, Guadalajara, Mexico. Mess. Don't look back. Um, on the mess chisel split seven inch that's available from in the states anyway. Well, actually, it's not available. It's sold out. But it was on a Beach Impediment. Uh, my friend Mark from uh, Virginia Beach. All right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a, yeah. If you, yeah, that's that's actually if you if your hardcore band ever gets off the ground, that'd be one of the labels I'd hit up. Okay, for sure. I, I've heard of them. I don't know if I have anything on their label yet, but I know I'm aware of it. So excellent label. Oh, cool. Well, listen, Mark. Thanks again, man. It's it's been very interesting. Like I said, people are fa- endlessly fascinated. I think by the process, and and we are too. Honestly, we had a lot of probably sort of dumb questions, but uh, oh, it's such a labor-intensive I mean, process. It really is a labor it really of love. Is. 
I mean, it really is a labor yes. of love, and it's you can see why it's well, I mean, so expensive. Money for it, you know? They're not doing it. They're not doing it for just love. Yeah, but maybe you should stop complaining about the about the mathematic costs because you've got like fifty five people involved in this process. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Actually, that should be kind of open people's eyes to the fact that there's a reason why it's yeah, it's kind of expensive, right? Yeah, yeah, this isn't easy. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, again. And take like your it. take you take your custom splatter vinyl and shove it up your ass. <laughs> yeah, Get, yeah, yeah, Get yourself a nice black record. <laughs> yes, exactly. Black all natural. Get apparently. A nice black record. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. All right, so all right, it's, anyways, so it's so yeah. it's Cascade. How how do people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold Cascade of you? Cascade Record Pressing. CascadeRecordPressing.com. Uh, we're quoting four to six month turn times right now. If you've got your shit together. Oh, there you go. All right, and go we, buy some buy yeah, some TKO records, buy some classics. Yeah, independent punk bands out there. If you're having trouble getting your records made, come see us. All right, cool. Excellent, man, Mark. Thank great. you so much for coming on and doing this again. Yeah, thanks, we thanks, really man. appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. We'll catch up with you again. You know, we probably wore you out for this year. Maybe next year we'll catch up with you again and see what you're repressing. Yeah, when you yeah, get some new wear, stuff. I really appreciate the coverage, guys. Thank you so much. No. You bet, man. Hey, man. Have a good one. I'm going to go to bed. All right, Tom. I will uh, talk to you later. Stay right, free. I'll talk to you guys later on. Yeah, see ya. yeah. Keep Bye-bye. a little Tom in your heart. Bye, everybody. There you go. See you later. <laughs> Okay, that brings us to the end of another show. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Remember, keep a little mark in your heart, and we'll be back the same mark time, same mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, <laughs> ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter. What a load of old shit. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom.